0: Aloha, Hawaiians! Welcome to one of the most unpredictable episodes we have yet so far. Our guests in the past were Filipino immigrants, so people with Filipino heritage. Other nationalities that have lived or traveled in the Philippines also. But this time, we'll take a pause from talking about the Filipinos. Philippine culture or anything related to both. We are expanding our horizons and embracing everybody regardless of their background or ethnicity. Uh, please don't scroll up. <laughs> okay. Uh, where am I? Mm, okay, our only common denominator is that we moved to another country and we learned a thing or two from each other. So, to kick off today's episode, here's my question for you, Jill, and our special guest co-host. What is your greatest learning so far from doing the show or life in general?
1: Please don't scroll down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my greatest learning so far, it's just around this global pandemic uh, I think I appreciate uh, the things that I didn't appreciate before Uh, like really having time for myself um, having time with my family talking to them like quality time with with the people around me so that's the greatest thing Mm -hmm. and did you say we have a guest co-host
0: yeah we do so let's hear from our guest co-host he was actually our guest i think two episodes ago and yeah, but he's here with us today as our guest hello. co-host yeah so
2: introduce yourself sir hello i'm Silvino. you know me as flip and it's great to be back on the show thank you for having me as a co-host i'm filling in for os today and to answer your question earlier i think my greatest um Learning from from the show and life in general is life is unpredictable, so live it to the fullest.
0: Mm, great answer, you guys. So I asked this because we invited Jill's coworker, who has lots of wisdom to share with us today. So Shamir came to Canada 13 years ago from Zambia and completed a bachelor's degree in University of British Columbia. So Zambia is one of the British countries in East Africa. And it is known for Africa's wildlife. So, after the move, he is now a successful client manager or business development in an IT recruitment firm where Jill also works. So, let us take a moment and hear another person's story today. Come join us in this episode entitled What's Roasting?
1: Curious. Curious. Let's, Let's stop, stop and
0: talk, and talk with Shamir
1: <laughs> We should have
0: rehearsed that.
1: Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> Bienvenue aux Hawaiians. Bonjour, bonwe. Oui. Whenever you decide to listen to sh- our show and I'm with my co-host.
0: 你們好,我的名字是黃瑞吉,我現在我在菲律賓,這是我的工作才生。And (laughs) Yes, it's
2: your turn. Hi, I'm Sylvino again, and I'm happy to be back on the show as a a co-host, filling in for OS, who cannot join our discussion today due to personal.
1: That's fine. And you are with...
0: The the Eho Eho Crew!
1: the show thanks for gracing our show i actually invited you because in one of our huddles at work you've shared inspiring words and i want to give you a platform here in our show because i know that our listeners will learn from your story so being from africa we want to know your crazy stories from there so the floor is yours shamir tell us about your background tell us the hardships.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's, uh, it's great to be on your podcast and uh, yeah, I'm super happy that uh, creative people like you are, are doing things, especially during the quarantine, that are productive and, uh, and, and positive for a whole bunch of people. So thank you for asking me to be on here. Um, I'm super glad to to accept and hopefully my story is somewhat interesting to some of you. Um, yeah where do you want me to start Uh, I mean as an immigrant myself um, albeit like a third generation Indian African immigrant so my family's from India originally my ancestors uh, my grandfather my father um, and my mom were all born in Africa um, and and had my sister and I in Africa as well Um, and so I always kind of consider myself as a third generation African but I don't I have brown skin and I'm, you know, Indian. I have an Indian name and an Indian last name, so kind of funny. Uh, African from India, living in Canada now, so it's it's a bit, you know, interesting. It's a bit weird for some people, um, but I I can tell you a little bit about my story and my background. Um, but I think it's the most fascinating and one of the most interesting uh, lives. Um, You know and i just want to like i'm just so grateful to be living in uh to be honest with you um we you know i was born um you know in a country called zimbabwe um but i lived my whole life in zambia where my dad was originally born um so my mom's born in, in zimbabwe and my dad's born in zambia um and we you know my sister and i grew up there she's a little bit older than me but um we grew up in the city for a few years, and then we moved to a farm um, where my mom and dad had, you know, land. But they both worked jobs in the city. Um, my dad worked for a mining company, and my mom was a teacher. And in Africa, um, back then, you know, it was a really simple life. Um, considering you know most people um, understand, how, you know, who listen, and hopefully others. But what what life is like in a third world country. Um, you know, you don't have all the amenities and all the luxuries that you generally have out here, um, you know, in Canada or, or wherever you might be living, um, that is not a third world country. But in, in Zambia or, or in Af- Southern Africa, you know, we we grew up with what we knew. And that was um, a country that was was rich in, in history, uh, natural resources, wildlife, especially, um, and just like a genuine love for people, because um, everyone there didn't have much. Um, you know, sure, there's like the one percent of the population that that has a lot, but for the most part, everyone was very grassroots. Um, didn't have, you know, did did a lot uh, with little, um, and and a lot of happiness. And it just kind of, you know, I've always been, you know, raised like that, where you 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 have you make the best of whatever situation you're you're in. And I think that's like the one lesson for for any immigrant, um, it's like the most v- invaluable lesson is you just have to make the best of any situation. And for people like us, you know, like um, immigrants, um, we're o- often transplanted into into a different place. And so um, we have to just adapt, you know, uh, to our environment. And so that's the one thing about Africa. It's, it's we didn't have much, and we also didn't know much. We kind of knew what life was like in Africa. Uh, the internet and stuff like that was not as, you know, information wasn't as accessible as it is now um but it was still you know it was still available um but we just knew that you know there was disneyland and um you know like the world trade center at the time or new york um you know and stuff like that but it was all just like almost a fantasy that that place never really existed it was just somewhere in the world that you might not ever get to see um, so i grew up in a farm you know i went to public school um the people I went to school with, you know, a lot of my friends, um, you know, didn't have shoes. Um, you know, didn't eat uh, the day before. So I remember I was fortunate enough to to have two parents who were working and you know afford to have food and, and shoes. And so you know I remember just like sharing my lunch with like some of my friends. Um, and I remember just taking my shoes off uh, when I was a kid. School, we just played soccer in the, in the, in the schoolyard at recess or at lunch or after school, uh, before my dad come pick me up after work. And, uh, and so those are my people, you know, those are local Zambians for the most part. Um, anyone who wasn't not, who was not necessarily Zambian or who wasn't black, um, was, you know, went to a private school or, or a different school. Um, my, my mom who taught in the local public school system just wanted me and my sister to... Uh, to go to school there too Um, and anything that we you know we didn't get from the underfunded public school system she wanted to you know she tried her best to give that to us outside of uh, the school system whether it was extra you know books or learning and development toys or, or anything like that so uh so that's how I grew up um you know and I grew up with a lot of the locals so just you know speaking the language and you know, talking to them, listening to their stories, the way they lived uh, their life and, and lived off the land. You know, we lived on a farm, so a lot of like the neighbors and, and neighboring, um, you know, people that worked around there, um, I'd hang out with all the time. So, you know, my, like, you know, one of my first toys as a, you know, I don't know, four or five-year-old was probably like a 14-inch machete uh, oh. that I have bound in our yard. And I would just use that to like carve up my own path throughout the dense bush that was like taller than me um, on our farm. And I would just like make my own trails and uh, and find all these little hidden ponds of water. And like, I didn't even know if poisonous, you know, snakes or anything was in there. And there, and there were like, you know, there's the black mamba and like really poisonous snakes, which are native to Zambia, um, but I, I didn't know better. Um, so I remember doing that. I remember hunting, um you know birds and and pigeons and things like that with with locals uh you know part of those things are part of the local diet um so at when i grew up it's it's a bit wild like my i think my parents are still surprised that i'm still alive Um, (laughs) you know because i got into some crazy um you know times in my first 13 years there um you know we growing up on a farm being pretty adventurous um You know just never grew up with any fear because uh, the culture and and the country was filled with so much love that even though bad things could happen to you like you know if you left a child to run around you know he could get kidnapped or could get you know hurt Um, but there there was never any um, my parents were never really worried um, you know for our safety until um, you know a civil war um, kind of broke out which is what prompted us to leave the country
1: Okay, and that's my next
3: question. I,
2: yeah, I was gonna ask um what made you um, move to Canada.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can tell I put a little bit of thought into my story, but um mm-hmm. that's that's kind of that that's what happened. Um, you know, there was a lot of political unrest in the country. Um and you know, it started with the local people being upset that people of other races were coming and taking their jobs and making money. Um, no different than any country, um, whether local or, you know, indigenous or Aboriginal people are marginalized, um, b- because someone else has come and, and really try to, you know, take over, so to speak. So yeah, my dad, um, we lived a little off the side of the city. So my dad, one day when things got really bad, um, and there was a lot of, uh, violence, um, you know, there was a go- guerrilla movement that was trying to overthrow the government that had a huge following. Uh, so, you know, this was like, feel, feels like a movie because they were making like, you know, homemade, what well, they call it a Molotov cocktail. We just put a bit of alcohol or, or kerosene mm-hmm. in a bottle with a, you know, old T-shirt, light it on fire and throw it. It's like a little mini bomb. So they were throwing those into cars. They were pulling, they were, you know, stopping anyone who was white, Asian, brown, anyone who was basically non-black over, you know, stealing their cars, assaulting them, killing them. Um, So my dad was stuck in his office for two weeks and he only lived maybe about a seven or eight kilometer drive down one major road into like, you know, the farming area where we lived. Mm. So, and he was stuck because that road was shut down. And I think that was the one thing that my dad, when my dad realized that i have to get my family kind of out of here um it's just not safe let's look at options for for a safe place my kids to grow up um you know we were still fairly young like my sister wasn't you know quite in college yet um but and, and i was a bit younger so it was a bit easier um but my parents were both middle class and they didn't you know they didn't have a lot they didn't have they weren't you know, destitute by any means, but they kind of lived paycheck to paycheck, basically. Um, you know, in, in Africa, and they didn't have any extra money. I remember, like, we couldn't. My cousins went to, you know, Orlando to go to Disney World when I was when I was younger, and I remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I lo- that's nothing more I'd like to do than go there. But that wasn't something that was in the cards for my family and I until later when my dad got a promotion and he started getting free family holidays once a year from his company and then we started traveling the world um and then about four years after that we had to pretty much leave and so uh unfortunately well fortunately for my dad his brother um was pretty successful in in terms of business he he started a, a logistics company in africa and sold it at the right time and then came and traveled the world basically with his three daughters and found where he wanted to live next. So he lived in Australia for a while, England for a while, and then landed in Toronto and and hated it. But when he was in the airport at the, he was sitting at the airport bar having a beer and he's in Toronto and he's like, oh my gosh, it was, I think October in Toronto. And he's like, I will never move here. Like my African bones are are not used to this cold weather. <laughs> and, he, and he ran into another Indian guy at the bar, and they started exchanging stories. And he said, "What are you up to here?" And he's like, "Well, I'm trying to relocate my family out of Africa." And he said, "But I'm never going to move to Toronto." Um, and he said, "Why don't you check out Vancouver? Because you know it's got a great climate. Um, you won't worry about the cold. It's it's really good. You know, there's some Indian people there. It'll be okay." Uh, and so he just thought, "Okay," and he came to Vancouver and loved it. And then he immigrated here as an investor. So, yeah. he, you know, yeah. so he, yeah. So he, he's the one who sponsored my dad to come here. Otherwise, there was no chance my family would be able to afford to come here, or there's no chance we would be able to f- like claim refugee status because we technically weren't refugees either. Um, so there was no way for us to come. My dad was, you know, dropped out of schooling, the, basically the equivalent of grade eight, um, to support his family, um, you know, and so he had to. Um, and, and, and my mom finished school at least. But, you know, she was a woman back then in, in Africa. And there wasn't, you know, she wouldn't be able to kind of make that push for a family. So that's how we ended up here. Um, and have been, you know, very thankful to be here for sure.
0: All right. Great story so far. Now, we're interested to know what's your journey to Canada like? So Eho Lions, our listeners always want to hear about the challenges that our guests have encountered and how they have overcome them so was there ever a time when you felt you were unwelcomed as an immigrant and what about the opposite
3: yeah uh for sure um when i when i first when i first moved here i mean we didn't know much about where to go in the city Mm -hmm. what would be friendly places for us to be um and back then um you know it's almost two decades right back then it wasn't as multicultural as it is today. Um, you know, now you go walking down the street and you probably see more people that look like us than people that that look like Caucasians. So, um, but back then it was definitely the opposite. And then we moved right when we, before we moved here, my parents had bought a place. Um, and so we were renting it out until our paperwork got processed. And so when we moved here, we were able to live in, in that townhouse. And that place was in Coquitlam. And so at the time it was pretty much a very Caucasian community. Um, so when I went to school uh, and, and this is, you know, an African kid, um, I used to talk like this. That was my, my accent, uh, had a very thick Zambian accent. Um, and so I got made fun of a lot. I was the only Indian kid in the school um, and I didn't know anything about any of the cool toys any of the cool cartoons because we only had one channel growing up um we didn't have a satellite dish so we only had one channel and the channel only the tv would only work for three hours a day it would work for two hours in the morning and hour hour and a half in the evening and so I didn't grow up with tv so I didn't I literally knew nothing I was just this wild kid who came here and I didn't know any of the cool toys or any of the cool pop stars or athletes or anything and I just grew up playing soccer you know playing football my whole life and i came here and all the kids in my school played ice hockey and played you know cfl like canadian football um basketball and all these other sports that i had never heard of so i i had nothing in common with any of these people and you know kids like especially when you're younger you you know it's about they really want people who are like them or like interested in the same things, things like that. So when you're different right away, either because of the color of your skin or because of your interests, or if you have a disability or anything, you know, you're already an outcast. So for me, I was, yeah, I was definitely out, outcasted. You know, they used to call me, even though I just have a regular haircut um, and my dad doesn't have a turban or anything like that. They used to call me towelhead head um, a lot, um, you know, just some random kid you know, racial slurs or whatever, but they just never hung out with me, never picked me for sports, never wanted to hang out. So I didn't really have a lot of friends in the first little while. And uh, so it's definitely difficult, but just, I, I'm just dumb and stubborn. So it didn't really bother me. Um, like, you know, my mom would ask me often, like, are the kids nice to you? You know, like, are, are you, are you fitting in? Like, do you have, like, you making friends? You know, all the typical questions that your mom would ask and and i was like no no Uh, she's like okay are you are you okay and i'm like yeah you know i have fun at school i kind of watch the other kids and see what see what they do i don't really need to hang out with anyone every day and i had my toys at home um but after a while i started playing sports and through sports i i built up some friends and then that led into more friends and just a bit more confidence um and so i had a pretty, like uh, most people might say it's a rough um, start, but it got good really fast.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's so,
2: good. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think um, every, everybody experiences challenges in the beginning, and um, it's, it's good that you're able to um, find people uh, and, and um, have the same interests, especially through sports.
1: Yeah. But as, yeah.
2: as time has passed, how does your experience compare to what you expected and in what ways do you think migration has made you a stronger person?
3: Oh for sure, um, so definitely to, to, to answer like the first part of your question, um, it's definitely exceeded all expectation. Um, you know I, I know exactly like you know in, in Africa I would be in this little bubble and and not I wouldn't have been able to see the world um, very much, and my like I would have been just limited by my opportunities, um, like every immigrant, right? You just you know, go to a different country to increase, broaden your horizons, and, and, and expand or grow. So same thing, I would have just been in this little African sandbox um, with all these constraints, and then I come here and there's no ceiling, you know? It's just an unlimited ceiling where you can just do and whatever you want to do and work as hard as you want to work to achieve whatever you want to achieve. And so it definitely, um, I don't know if it's made me a stronger person, but it's just definitely given me a greater perspective for sure, uh, on the world, on life. And then also on my limitations and at a very young age, what I wanted, like most, you know, most kids don't figure out what they want. And I never knew what I wanted career wise, but I knew what I wanted out of my life to be happy. You know, if it was a job like you know digging ditches, uh, or or as a janitor, or as a star athlete, I didn't I didn't care. But I knew that I just, I wanted to be happy, and I was going to work hard to be happy. So um, that's definitely what Africa gave me.
0: Okay, wow. Okay, now what is the one thing that you would say you're proudest of so far and why? And I know Jill mentioned she invited you because you were talking about the importance of curiosity in life. Can you elaborate?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the one thing that I'm proudest of... Well, no, you know, this is a podcast so it's gonna live in on the internet or somewhere forever so yes. I gotta be careful you know what I say here and if I say the wrong answer there's two people that are probably gonna kill well my whole family's gonna kill me but definitely the <laughs> thing I'm most proudest of is 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 having you know my son she had a baby uh, almost a year and a half ago um you know it's hard not to say that that's not your most proudest accomplishment um and it kill me if I said anything different but uh but no it is definitely my proudest accomplishment you know uh, creating life um I think that's you know anyone who has kids that should be the greatest accomplishment you know i don't care if you're bill gates or whoever uh the most successful person in the world your greatest accomplishment is um is creating life and then nurturing life and and, you know creating some a positive like a human being who's going to contribute to society in a positive way so that's definitely my greatest accomplishment um and yeah the curiosity piece uh i think it's just something that i talked about um you know, during one of our huddles, I, I, I'm not like a like a very spiritual person, um, but I, you know, I do think about, I do think about thinking a lot, uh, and how I think, and and why I think a certain way, and why other people maybe think a certain way, um, and that it just, you know, it, it, it's something that I've just naturally always been very inquisitive, very curious. Um, as a person and i think it's it's led me to um you know to, to to some success in in life and in career um because like i don't think i didn't never i never had the, the greatest grades um i wasn't i never thought i was the smartest i come from like a pretty educated family and, and, a, and a lot of cousins who are who are way smarter than me and loved reading and i always thought i was just kind of a dumb kid that was good at sports um so I never thought about you know thinking um but I definitely, in you know, the last ten years or so of my life, have been thinking about why I think certain way and how how the way I think is different than others. Um, and I think it just is all rooted in the fact that I'm just really curious um, about a lot of things. And so I end up doing a lot of research or a lot of reading or a lot of going down these rabbit holes of stuff i find interesting or starting projects um you know investments or different type of business opportunities uh different companies different a whole different thing than i normally do or someone saw me on the street like oh you do this or you do that um it's just because i'm super curious about stuff and you know I, I just have like a ton of energy so it's like what am i going to do with all this energy and all this curiosity that's going to not get me in trouble or or you know have people think that i'm like you know crazy uh, so yeah it's just it, it it comes from there and i've just started thinking about you know why it, why it's important to be curious and i kind of talked to jill about that during um during one of our meetings and and, and discussed kind of you know where it comes from and, and a lot of it is it's the foundation for for everything um, you know it as a kid you just you know you watch a baby and, and now having one you see the way they learn and you see the way they take in information and you know and we live in this information age where there's like where we're drinking out of a fire hose because there's so much information coming at us from all these different angles um you know our phones are giving us all this information like you know everything we do is emitting information and receiving information and so what do we do with it well you know um you know that's the million dollar question but that's where i think a lot of um people make a lot of strides, um, you know, in their lives, in their careers, in, in personal growth, is about being curious. Um, and so, you know, a few things uh, that I talked to Jill about is one, I think it increases um, your empathy um, and, um, and yourself kind of open, opening yourself up and opening your heart up uh, to other people. So being just a kinder human because you're, you're interested in another person. Um, you wanna know what they have to say and why they're saying it. Um, and, and then also, you know, just in terms of your career and knowledge, you know, the more questions you ask, the more answers you get. And, and so, yeah, um, I think it's, it's one of those things that people should always be striving to cultivate um, over their lifetime. Um, and and I'm, I feel like I'm just super lucky that I'm just naturally curious. Like I wanna know everyone's life story and you know like I'm the guy in the grocery store that just like starts talking to the old guy behind me and like you know how was World War II if he served there or what kind of business did you have in the 1960s or 70s and my wife's like you know hurry up like shut up the milk's getting warm like, let's get out of here um you know so that's just that's just how I am and uh and I've always been that way and I think that's just some a story that I shared with Jill and I think that kind of maybe stuck with her and she's like hey come on my podcast and talk about it but I, Um,
1: Definitely, definitely. So we're kind of like uh, running out of time. So we'll we'll go next to our fun segment because we always have this with our guests. So I know that you really like business and investing. So we listed some weird businesses and just let us know where you're going to invest first. So we grouped them in three. So just rank it from one to three, one being the highest. You can explain your reasoning or not. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> so um, first set so dog walking service comic book publishing and car washing service
3: oh comic book publishing for sure
1: okay
2: that's the first investment and then the next this is ranking right
1: this is ranking so okay. the first what's the second Dog, Because there's dog walking service and car Uh, washing.
0: Dog walking
3: service.
1: Okay. And then car washing.
0: Yeah. Alright. Next set. So, Bubble Maker Company, which is a custom order bobblehead goggles, goggles for dogs, or a bacon-flavored vodka?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, That's tough. I mean, I like like bacon and I like vodka. Um, But, I definitely go with Doggles.
1: Doggles?
3: <laughs> yeah. Doggles would be number one. It might be the worst investment, but it just sounds fun. Um, and then and then I'd go with uh, with the bobble maker company. Um, you know, custom ordered bobblehead. I'd love to have my own bobblehead. Um so I would I would do that and then I would try to make like mine or my son's bobblehead first. And then and then I go with bacon flavored vodka. Um, <laughs>
2: Bacon flavored vodka sounds nice. Okay, the third set is rent a chicken. You rent chickens and you realize if you can raise them. Lucky wishbones, sell wishbones in the pack. The beer belly, you sell products that help you creatively hide alcoholic beverages.
1: So these are real businesses, by the way. For real? Yeah, these are weird businesses, Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay, I
3: I thought some of them were just made up, but... um, I thought so too. Yeah, I'll go... Okay, I'll go with... (laughs) I'll go with number one, uh, Lucky Wishbones.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Number two, the Beer Belly. And then I don't even want to, like, have number three in my option because I tried to have my own chickens one time. And it Did was the you? worst experience. Well, it was it was fun, but it was also the worst experience ever. Oh. I thought it'd be cool to have my own, like grow my, have my own eggs, you know, to uh-huh. so not have a rooster, just have just egg-laying chickens. But I, I got a chicken coop and I got three three ha- three chickens. They laid eggs, it was great, but they were a nightmare to deal with. The cleanup, <laughs> the noise, it's not definitely the fact that they're not loud. Super like, all in the city but anyway no, uh, no third option for that category please no rented chicken <laughs> well
1: here. thank you so much for being here uh, any message uh, at all or any shout outs anything you want to promote or where can we follow you anything like that
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh, come find me Um anywhere I'm happy to talk I, I love the fact that you guys are doing this um, you know, I love the fact that you're doing, um, you know, connecting people. Uh, it's it's so amazing. It's obviously what you're good at, Jill, um, and, you know, and Free Rescue Partners. I'm just r- grateful that you guys are doing this and investing, you know, everyone's number one commodity, which is a time um, into this. It's, uh, it's so great. Uh, I'm happy to be on and live in infamy on the internet forever on your podcast, and uh, and hopefully, I just want to you know say thanks, and, and that's it. I just want to say thanks for having me on, and good luck to your pod.
1: Well, you're welcome, and thank you, thank you for your you know wisdom right now. So, please, yeah, follow, sure. please follow us and DM us on our social media accounts, and for Spotify, Google, and Apple podcasts, just search your show. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Ihow Ihow Show, and Gmail, Ihow Ihow Show at Vino.com.
0: Alright, before we say goodbye, I think our guest co-host, F- Philip, has a quote that he would like to share with all of us. Yeah.
2: Oh, uh, thank you, Reggie. Yeah. You know what's funny? Because you guys are, like, con- confused as to whether to call me Philip, Flip, or Silvino. No. So I'll stick, I'll stick with Silvino. <laughs> Well, this quote is from Walt Disney and um, funny, I worked for Walt Disney. Well, he says, around here, however, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we are curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths.
0: Um, Okay, why did you share that quote?
2: Because this is this mirrors <laughs> Shamir's experience. Like, <laughs> clearly, this is like, it resonates um, with, with his experience. Okay.
0: All right. So this has been your EOEo Eo Show Season 3 with Jill Red, our guest episode, Silvino. And we're saying hi to Royce, who's dealing with some personal um, things right now. And But he'll be back next week. So with our special guest, Shamir, join us again on our next episode. Be brave and stay safe, everybody. Bye bye. Bye.
2: Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Samir. Thank you guys. Have a good Thank day. Thank you, bye. Philip. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Bye. bye.